The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. We're celebrating what God has done according to the scriptures, how he has fulfilled his promises at the right time, under the law, God sent his son via a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus came. So we're not only looking back at what God has done, but in this time of hope, we need hope right now. Because a lot of times when we come to church, if we are transparent, we are like, God, what can you do for me today? How can you speak to me today? How can you give me a word of encouragement today? I need hope. Not only we're looking at what God did in the past and how we need God to speak right now, but God is going to do something in the future. Hope is going to finally be realized when we see Jesus face to face. In Advent, we take four words to try to encapsulate someone who cannot be encapsulated. Hope, peace, joy, and love. Now, I don't care who preach. I don't care if they have a double PhD. None of us can totally encapsulate Jesus, who is the Christ, in telling you how he is hope. He is peace. He is joy. He is. Love. So as we walk through hope today, for those who don't know the difference between hope and faith, we will get to that. But first, I'm going to tell you, hope is like a ray of sunshine on a dark, cloudy day. Hope gives you an expectation I can make it one step Father, even when it appears you are in a place of despair, there is a movie, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, I watched it twice, and it's amazing how Christian, the person, totally, pretty much totally encapsulate us. He reads the word of God, he starts feeling the weight of his sin by the stone on his back, and he realized he can't relieve himself of this burden that he feels because he started reading the word, and he was in a city of destruction, and he knew he had to leave the city of destruction. But he had to learn how to start walking. Faith is walking. Faith 
hope is an expectation of that walking. You're going to achieve what you're walking for. It's like working out. I used to work out. Don't work out as much as I used to. And don't work out as much as I need to. But when I was in my prime and had a lot of energy, I had an expected goal of when I worked out. I wanted certain results. I wanted my six-pack. I wanted broad shoulders. I wanted my biceps to look a certain way. I had certain expectations. Hope is you have a certain expectation of what's going to happen at the end. I'll jump forward and I'll come back and preach this sermon. Our expectation is I'm going to see Jesus face to face. And when I see Jesus face to face, the glory that he has will be the glory that will be on me, but it's not mine. It's his. Because he has already given me his righteousness. That's why I'm able to be in his presence. Because although Jesus became a man, Jesus is the king of kings and he is the great I am. He is Yahweh, that I am that I am when Moses said, who shall I say sent me? The first thing Yahweh said when Moses came in his presence to let him know, I'm not any kind of God and you just can't walk in my presence any kind of way. Take off your shoes for you on holy ground. God is holy and we and ourselves, we're not holy. Let's get back to Pilgrim's Progress. In Pilgrim's Progress, there is a phase in the movie where Christian encounters a person named Hopeful. And while they're on the journey, Christian decides because he knows better than God, he takes his eyes off the light and takes a different path. That's like us. We take a different path in life. We still have our free will, and with that free will, we can choose to humble our hearts and come under the authority of God's scripture and be led God by spirit, or we can choose with our free will to act like Adam. So Christian in the movie chooses in his free will to act like Adam and got himself in trouble, and he was in a cage of despair. And the giants were doing everything that they could to get Christian to kill himself, to end his testimony and his journey quicker than God wanted it to be in. But Hopeful said, he started reading and started realizing, they can't touch us. They want us to kill ourselves. And that's the same way when you are in despair, When you are wrestling with doubt, when you are having a bad why me day, the devil can't touch you. The best he can do is get you to feel the cage of despair. And he tries to steal your hope. But if you remember Jesus, if you remember who he is, and if you remember what he has done, the ray of light of hope will shine in your heart and the key to unlock that cage will appear and your bad day can turn into a good day even in the midst of the day still raining. 
See, hope doesn't mean your circumstances change. Hope just means your perspective change. Your, your perspective go from being you to being him. Many times when we have a bad day, our perspective is on us. We're looking at us, what we've done through our sin. We're looking at what people have done to us. We're looking at how the world view us, and we are having a why me party. But if we could just look at Jesus, if we could just see who he is, the king of glory, the bright and morning star, the righteous lamb of God, if we could just see Jesus, Jesus, if I could say one word, Jesus is your hope. In your time of despair, when you are acting a little ignorant, Jesus is your hope. The difference between faith and hope, and I said it already, faith is what you need to get hope. Faith is like getting, your, your, start running a race. Faith is your first steps out of the starting blocks. Once you take those first steps, your faith is going to increase, but your, what's going to keep you going and want you to win is your hope of finishing first. No one in here likes to lose. No one. I have a daughter that ran track. She was pretty fast. One time, she intentionally slowed down so people could catch her, so she could prove to them how fast she was. <laughs> and then she left them. We like to show how bad we are. One time, another time, and I'm going to get back to my sermon. But it's still funny because it's about winning. And it's about, if you have hope, you're going to run the race to win. They were running a 400-meter race, and the girl had a couple of strides in front of her, Nene. And the girl was, had taken the first lap and on the back stretch, and Nene took off. And all you saw was her braids in her shoes. <laughs> She passed the girl, and we're screaming, and the other parents are screaming, and the other girl thought that she could pass Nene. So she came up beside Nene. It's like, girl, you don't know. I got another gear. She downshifted a gear I didn't know she had and took off and left the girl. I was just like, ooh, that is me running track right there because I hate losing. I will find another gear to win if it means me winning. I'm trying to tell you, if you want to win, you have another gear. The gear is always Jesus. The gear is always his scripture. The gear is always the spirit of the living God that lives within you. You just have to be willing to humbly downshift to that gear. Ask God for help. Now, we're looking at some scriptures. So grab your Bibles. That's my intro. That's my hook to get you interested in this sermon. So let's look at Psalms 130, verses 1 through 5. Let's look at hope. We're going to look at hope from a past tense point of view, and we're going to look at hope from a future tense point of view. Psalms 130, verse 1 through 5. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. In his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord morning 
more than uh, watchmen in the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, with the Lord, for with him is plentiful redemption, and in him, and he will redeem Israel from their sins. First Peter, verse chapter one, three through five. Blessed be the Lord, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. It is waiting on a person. Our hope is Yeshua. Jesus has shown his character is reliable for us to trust in and wait for. Jesus is worthy, is worth the wait. Jesus is worth the wait. Against all odds, we must wait for Jesus. He's our hope. He gives us the reason to live and to persevere in the midst of troubles, trials that are too difficult to bear on our own strength. Endure without circumstances changing. We look to Jesus in anticipation of seeing him at the beam of seat of judgment, and he would tell us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's why Jesus is worth the wait. We all want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The text we're going to look at today comes from Matthew chapter 12 verses 15 through 21. Matthew is a unique book in the perspective that it is giving us a view of Jesus as being the Messiah of Israel and is also declaring that Jesus is the Son of God. We see this scripture, and I'm going to read it while you turn to the text. Matthew chapter 1, 22 through 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and we shall call his name Emmanuel. And before that, it says, he shall be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came because he was on mission to be God's servant, to do God's will, to rescue those whom God has chosen before the foundation of the world. Jesus' purpose was to show himself as our hope. When Jesus went to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist said, I have need to be baptized of you. Matthew 3, 15 through 17 says, but Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. 
Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God took the time to bear witness of his son because Jesus took the time to be God's servant at a cost that would cost him his life. But Jesus wasn't looking at the cross because Jesus was looking at us. Jesus' expectation is for you to be with him. That's why he came. Now we with hope should live with expectation of being with him. And he will give us everything we need to get home. Earth as it is right now, under the God of this age, Satan, is not our home. We are sojourners. Sometimes what trips us up the most is that we put more stake in having a spouse I love mine. She's beautiful. She can't be my hope. Having a good salary? Have one. I like it. Can't be my hope. Having a savings account? I have one. Sometimes it's little. Sometimes it's a lot. But it can't be my hope. Saving up for retirement, a stash, what we call it. Trying to make one. (laughs) But it can't be my hope. There's only one person who can fulfill that aspect of your life. There's only one person qualified to quiet your troubling nights, let you know when you're loved when you've been abandoned, let you know your love when you've been deserted, let you know your love when you've been divorced, let you know your love when no one is around. That is Jesus of Nazareth. See, there's going to be some things that are coming in your life that are going to trip you up. It's going to either be a disease, a debt that you didn't expect, Uh, a divorce, disappointment by a loved one, one of those three things or multiple of those things are going to trip you up. And can I say this? I know we take a big laptop and have logos on it and a big iPad and carry a big Bible and say God is good all the time. And there you go. We know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. Can I say sometimes we don't know what to do? We get tripped up, trapped up, confused, bewildered, lose direction, and we run back to the cage of despair that God delivered us from. When Amanda was dealing with wanting to commit suicide, she described to me that cage 
before I even saw Pilgrim's Progress, she was like, Dad, I'm in a cage. I can't get out. And every time I try to get out, he grabs me and brings me back in the cage. And all I could do was the best I could do is give her Jesus. I kept Psalms 23 before her. I kept Jesus before her. I kept reminding her of who she was in Christ. And by the mercy and grace of God, my daughter graduated cum laude. When I thought I was going to lose my daughter, God gave me back my daughter. When I thought my daughter was going to barely get through high school, God, Herb, you don't know who I am. I know you preach about me, pray about me. I'm going to blow your mind. And he not only blew my mind, he blew my wife's mind. That when they went to the rewards and she got a cum laude reward. So you don't understand. Not only Amanda wanted to commit a suicide, but Amanda has severe dyslexia and ADHD. You say squirrel and she goes, where? <laughs> and she had a concussion so bad, the doctors actually told her the way she learns now has been remapped. It's going to be more difficult for her to learn, more difficult for her to learn. So I went from this aggressive dad who raised two older daughters saying, go get your homework done and do it to being a dad who said, okay, Amanda, let's, let's do this together. And while we're doing this together, I'm praying and asking Jesus, Jesus, you got a test coming up. If you don't do it, it won't get done. God knows how to get you to quit from being so dependent upon your intellectual understanding of how things are supposed to work to starting to walk in hope with an expectancy of him delivering your daughter, in the expectancy of seeing something happen before it happened, with a result that will blow your mind. That's hope. So as we look at Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 12, Verse 15, let's read that. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he held them, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. For this was to fulfill what was spoken by Isaiah Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles, and he will not crawl or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench, but until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. You see, Jesus is in a point of his ministry where he's starting to piss off the religious leaders because he's not playing by the religious leaders' rules. The religious leaders want him to keep the aura of tradition 
man-made laws apart from the word of God, guess what? Jesus didn't play by the rules. And guess what? Jesus is not going to play by your rules. He is Lord, and he is not coming off his throne, even though he saved you, died for you, rose for you, and lived for you. He's still Lord. And your oral traditions need to die so that you can live, so that you can have hope. The Pharisees refused to let those oral traditions die. So instead of them dying, they want to kill Jesus. So Jesus is really acting out the second temptation that Satan said, if you be the son of God, throw yourself off this clear cliff and his angels will bear you up. For it is written, he shall let, not let your feet dash his foot against the stone. And what did Jesus say? He didn't fall for it, even though it was the word of God. He said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So even though Jesus knew they wanted to kill him and knew that they couldn't kill him, it wasn't time for them to kill him. So he didn't completely withdraw from them, but he quit being completely accessible to them. But he never stopped doing God's work. I say this to you. Herb, how does this apply to me? You should not be ashamed of who Christ is, what Christ has done for you, and where Christ has sent you to be his witness. Jesus has called you to be light and salt. That means he's called you to share the gospel. And he's called you to, he also wants you to know that when you share the gospel, those who are stuck in oral, oral traditions or the religions of men, they're going to get pissed off. They're not going to like what you say about Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come unto the Father but by him. That's going to piss them off. But you do not have the right nor the authority to change the story. You stick with the story. You stick with the gospel. You stick with declaring Jesus Christ is Lord and God will reign. That's the gospel. Don't change it. Don't add to it. Don't say something to make anyone feel good about themselves. But at the same time, you say in the gospel, be willing to help anyone who comes to hear the gospel. That text says in, in chapter 15, Jesus healed them all. Do you think all of them believed in him? Do you think all of them knew who he was? Do you think all of them respected him and bowed down to him and worshiped him? Do you think all of them put their faith in him to be born again? No. But Jesus, being full of compassion, helped them. Jesus, being full of compassion, enabled them to see who they could have and what they could have if they choose him. What I'm saying to you is all people are worthy to have hope. That means you need to, I know you don't want to admit it right now, but I'm, I'm going to rip the med bait off. Any prejudice that you have against another race, a, pe a person who's not in your economic 
social standing, whether they be richer than you or poorer than you, they deserve the gospel. No matter what race they are, no matter what gender they are, no matter how confused they are, they deserve the gospel. And not just the gospel, they deserve you to show them compassion. Craig called it last week, being generous. I'm going to ask you one question. I know people say, don't lie in church, but this is not the church in the sense of a building. We are the church. But since you're the church, don't lie because you're the church. When the last time you were generous to someone who doesn't have what you have? In this season of generosity, when was the last time you gave someone more than $2 who's on the street corner? When the last time you tipped the waitress more than two pennies? I mean, you gave her like $20 or $30. I mean, you gave her a Christian tip. You gave her a Jesus tip. <laughs> Not your tip, a Jesus tip. How would Jesus tip a waitress? It wouldn't be $2. It wouldn't be $3. That's our tip. That's how we tip them. Next time you're in IHOP or wherever you go, if you can afford to go there, you can afford to give a Jesus tip, especially these days. Next time you pass by a homeless person, ask God, how can I lift them up? Give me an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Or give me an opportunity to either water what someone else is saying or plant a seed. When the last time you was interrupted in your daily lifestyle and helped somebody? You're called a Christian. You know what that means? Little Jesus. That's really what it means. It means a little Jesus. You act like him, talk like him, love like him, serve like him, show compassion like him. So when was the last time you acted like Jesus? Herbert, I ain't come here for that. I came here to get hope. Well, I'm trying to give you hope. Because the more you act like Jesus, the more you set your sights on heaven, the more Christ will become real to you, the more you will appreciate his death for you, the more you appreciate the Holy One of Israel becoming a man, the more you will not take for granted the eternal God putting on humanity in Emmanuel dwelling among us. Because you start realizing he went through, as one of my kids say, H double hockey sticks. <laughs> Every day. Every day he was despised, mistreated, called out of his name, called a devil. He is God Almighty. Let's transition to it saying that he fulfills scripture. Behold my servant in whom I have chosen. This is God speaking of his servant. Pulled from Isaiah chapter 42 verses 1 through 5. Behold my servant whom I have chosen. My beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. He will proclaim justice 
to the Gentile. Jesus is an Israeli in humanity. He will always be an Israeli in humanity. And Jesus is right now an Israeli at the right hand of the Father. But God didn't come just to save Israel. For God, when he spoke to Abram and called him out of the Ur of the Chaldees, said, through you, many nations will be blessed. That word doesn't work. That word nations, Gohim, is referring to us, who is not of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's descent. If you're not of one of the 12 tribes of Israel, that's us. God had you on mind, even though he came to show himself as the son of David, the Messiah of Israel. And God has a plan to liberate you from the bondage of sin and death and be your victor. Be your conqueror if you will allow him. For he has conquered Satan, sin, and death on our behalf. Conquered, paid for our sins on the cross, conquered Satan on the cross according to Colossians. These ordinances that was written against us, Colossians chapter 2, around verse 13 and 14, and when he rose from the dead, he broke the sting of death. He had you in mind, the Gentile. Jesus says in John chapter 10, he calls himself the good shepherd. And he says, I have sheep that are not of this fold. He also says after he finished talking about himself being the good shepherd and I have sheep not of this fold, I'm going to lay my life down for them. No one takes my life, but I have authority to raise it up again. So, what Jesus did for you and I is what Paul tries to explain in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by what is called the circumcised, which is made in the flesh by hands, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant, covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law and the commandments expressing, expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. That is what Jesus did. Through this unique thing called the church, he's taking both Jew and Gentile and making them one whereby 
there is no more racism. There is no more division. There is no more, this is mine and that is yours and you stay over there and I stay over here. We are the body of Christ. And we, I don't see someone walking down the street and usually when, if they do this, they, the cops are going to be called so they can go to a special house punching themselves or taking their eye out or cutting their foot off or hurting themselves. So we as the body of Christ have been uniquely joined together just like hopeful spoke to Christian in his time of despair to keep him on track and to remember who he was and that he was on a journey and that we were going to the celestial city. There are times in your life when you need to hear from someone in the body of Christ and when they speak to you, God will speak to them, to you, to keep your eyes focused on the celestial city. They didn't know you were in a position of despair. They didn't know you were longing, but God put them on your they put them on your heart on their hearts. And they said, I've been thinking about you. I've been praying for you. That's because God wants you to remember he sees you. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows what you're dealing with, and he's able to help you. So in our time of when we are to act like Jesus, speak like Jesus, let us remember the body of Christ is the only pathway to hope. And what I mean by that? For those who are outside of the gospel, who don't know Christ, God wants to use you to share Christ. God wants, you to, God wants to use you to love that person where they are and explain to that person with love and compassion and with patience, Christians, and with patience, Christians, give them the truth. Don't give them the truth without love, compassion, Impatience, because if you give them the truth without love, compassion, and patience, it's like a jackhammer. It's like a sledgehammer. You're going to hurt them. You're not going to help them. Although you gave them the truth, you didn't do it in love. You did it because you heard me say do it, or you heard Justin say do it, or you heard Craig say do it, and you'd be like, oh, I got to share the gospel. <laughs> First of all, you think Jesus woke up in the morning and said, oh, I got to heal somebody. <laughs> I got to preach the Beatitudes today. His delight was to always do the will of the Father. Amen. And his delight was to always give us hope. That's right. So, as I close... There are many things Christ has said to us that we with an expected with expectations should continue to persevere. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you will be also. That should give you hope. Yes. And that hope should enable you to persevere. Jesus says, you will reign with me. 
and we, you shall reign over the 12 tribes of Israel. That hope should enable you to persevere. Paul says, these light afflictions cannot compare for, to what is in store for us in heaven. That should give you hope. That should enable you to persevere. So, brothers and sisters, in the season of Advent, Advent where people are making it about presence, tell them the present you got on the day you were born again. You were given a present that would never grow old, it's always brand new, always keep its value, and will one day, that present will change who you are. That present will give you a new body. That present will use you to reign over the nations when he rules on the earth. That present will bring you into his father's presence and say, this is my bride. This is who I love. So I'm saying to you, let your hope cause you to persevere because Jesus is worth living for, serving, and dying for. 